Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. We're coming off that dramatic upside reversal on Tuesday. Investors still debating the buy-the-dip dynamic. Powell's on the hill day two as rates are on the rise. Ten-year, one-four is a high for the year. The 30-year at two and a quarter. A roadmap begins with vaccine optimism, though. The FDA staff endorsing J&J's single shot for emergency use. And that clears the way for a third vaccine in this country. Plus, you saw it. Stock futures are uh, dipping into the red, particularly the Nasdaq. This, of course, follows yesterday's rally after we were down sharply. Tesla and Bitcoin both climbing ahead of the open. And as the travel sector looks for a post-COVID recovery, the new CEO of Marriott is going to join us later this hour. Carl. Jim, we've got so much to unpack about yesterday, not to mention uh, Portnoy and Tenev, but Kathy Wood's arc I saw on Twitter this morning. You asked, what stock is she going to save today? Well, I like to take it. It's kind of, I mean, it's a little bit of a poll. It's a little bit of a parlor game. Uh, she's buying, uh, uh, she's the best for got to say that. Um, she's buying every stock that should be crushed by uh, the interest rate move. I mean, that's a, these are classic long uh, dated assets that she's buying, and that's what you're supposed to be selling. But the idea of ganging up on Kathy Wood, this is not, uh, David, when you gang up on Kathy Wood, you're not ganging up on Melvin Capital. I just want you to know that. Well, uh, important point here, and you're right. There's no leverage. No leverage. ETF's not levered. Right. So uh, now, she did have a lot of outflows yesterday, though, Jim. Well, what can I say, David? I mean, by the way, I mean, a number that's so big, it's probably larger than her entire fund was only a handful of years ago. But, David, she stopped Tesla right in its tracks on the decline. Yeah. So, I mean, today it's Kathy Wood, it's David Portnoy, it's Vlad. It's pretty much everybody who matters. It's kind of the new world, isn't it? Tiger Woods. <laughs> now, when I look at this, I mean, look, she sells the spunk every day. Everybody, everyone who wants to understand what, what Kathy Wood does, she puts out, it's 6.51 yesterday, when she puts out what she did. And there was a time, David, you know this, when there were people who would say, all right, she's got big outflows. Let's go against Unity Software. Let's break Kathy Wood. But you can't because she's not levered. Right. So instead, you just see outflows and you say, OK, which one is she going to stop? Is she going to stop Square today? Square did not have a great conference call and they're all Bitcoin, Bitcoin. So maybe she stops the decline in Square. This has become the ultimate parlor game, Carl. We look at these things instead of investing, instead of trying to figure out what the right thing to do is. Do you buy J&J? We are looking and saying, you know what? Holy cow. She is making a statement right now with Aero Environment selling it again. How did this happen? How did this person become what we do for a living? Honestly, Carl, I don't know. That is remarkable. Uh, She's been coming on for years, but her influence has grown, uh, as you said, more recently. Jim, I know you were watching uh, this report out of CFRA talking about ripple effects potentially out of ARC, but they say we think they can manage their cash flow and use the liquidity of some of its large cap positions uh, to mitigate any impact from those flows. Memo to Kathy Wood, close your fund. Close it. 
Listen to what the late Jack Bogle would say. Close it. Concentrate on performance, not on trying to deploy capital. It's okay. It's no sin. It's what the great ones do. Peter Lynch did it. I mean, you, you just close it. You don't just sit here and just keep taking in money and taking a look at what stock's down a lot and saying, you know what, I'm doing a cold shot. That's it, Tesla, 620. I'm done. Tesla goes higher. That's the kind of hubris. No, David, help me here. What? What do you want me to tell you? I don't know. Uh, I mean, listen, I, I think back to 25 years ago when we knew nothing about what any fund manager was. Forget 25 years ago. We knew nothing about anything back no. then. And it was impossible to get a hold of information other than to pick up your actual phone. I think they had push buttons. It wasn't rotary. But, you right. know, you'd pick up right, your right, phone right. and try and find things out. Now we actually get sent at the end of the day or in the morning every single trade that she made. It's amazing. It's, Some of the transparency is, is, is helpful. It's interesting. Uh, and, you know, this is, as you say, something we go through. Remember, it's not just one fund. It's ARKF, it's ARKG, it's ARKK uh, that she's buying and or selling for. I keep seeing every morning now, the second morning in a row, Discovery is, yeah, her, her, is right at the top there. But um, she was selling which, Square, course, David. Which, has been, been an incredible momentum stock suddenly right. over the last uh, eight weeks. But can we look at these stocks and just say that if you want to look at a list of stocks that you don't buy when the 10-year is rates are rising. Yeah. You say, I don't want to own long-dated assets. I right. want to own John Deere. I don't even want lumber. And uh, these are the kinds of stocks that should go down. But the people who are following her don't understand. Many, many do not understand the intricacies between long-dated assets and uh, the rise in interest rates. So it, it, this could be one of the situations where the whole portfolio could fall because of interest rates. And, and Carl, that's no sin. It's just that when you keep taking money in and you keep deploying, I find sometimes that what you're really doing is trying to keep up with your own inflows over the transom instead of trying to figure out performance and what's the right stock. And that's where I think she is right now. I know I'm going to take a lot of heat for that. And I really love that because I am, in the end, Jimmy Jimmy Chill. Chill. Yes, you are. You're, you are. You are. You wear a suit on the outside, Jim. You're not a suit on the inside, no. as you said no. on Twitter. Yep. Um, and then there's uh, there's Portnoy and uh, Tenev, of course, uh, last night talking about uh, Robin Hood uh, in a way that uh, perhaps financial media is just now getting up to speed with. Take a listen. The firm that's supposed to have our back is essentially the one who put us in this mess. Look, I mean, we. Again, I'll just say the last thing I want to do is create this problem for our customers where they want to buy something and they can't, right? So I'm going to do everything I can to make sure we don't see this happen again. Uh, we we believe people should be able to trade what they want, and that's the whole reason we exist. It's the whole reason we brought zero commissions to this market with no account minimums. So I raised $3.4 billion with the team in 72 hours, which I, I don't know if it's been done before. A couple of stories here, Jim. One is just the in, the scrutiny of the Robin Hood model. The other is the role of Portnoy, part interrogator, uh, part advocate. I thought it was rather amazing. I'm sitting there watching it riveted like many other people because I didn't uh, from the if you remember at that very beginning, it looked like Vlad wasn't going to show. It's going to be like one of these empty chair pylons. And Portnoy was going to just Portnoy was just going to destroy him uh, without him being there. And then Vlad comes in. He's wearing the Taco Tuesday hat. He's got a much better haircut than he had in front of Congress. And he handles himself so well that I thought he almost disarmed Dave until the end when Dave said, listen, I'm not going to wish you good luck. And I think your company's basically going to fail. Uh, but it was I found it was riveting because this is and David, you know, this this was 
was the so-called betrayal of the little guy for the big guy. And I didn't feel that happened after I listened to what Vlad said. Why didn't you feel that? I think it was a betrayal of the regulators who really screwed Vlad, Vlad because they changed the... They, they, there was like a constant different amount that he had to owe. Okay, now he shouldn't have been so proud about saying I raised money. Hey, I raised money, so I didn't get close. You don't think that they had a fundamental misunderstanding of the risk in their business the same way that perhaps uh, Gabe Plotkin didn't fully understand the risk that he had in shorting so much GameStop? I mean, I think they did. Oh, uh, and I don't think there's any doubt that they had, they ran out of money. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're absolutely, no, what I'm saying is, is that there was a clear liquidity issue. He yeah. said that. At first, he dodged it. He called the other No, L-word. I know. And he they has to dodge it because, as I've said, once you admit you have a liquidity problem, you're done. Right. Yeah, you, you, but he totally screwed up. I like the fact that he apologized and screwed up. But he, he shouldn't have taken credit for raising money with a gun to his head. Well, that's great. I'd like to see the P&L that he showed. But there was this disagreement about how much he owed that, was a, that seemed a little mercurial on the regulators. But, yeah, he totally screwed up. But it did not, he did not say he didn't. And there was a dispute also about who sold GameStop that week. CNBC put out some numbers saying that retail was seller. But in the end, you know, who's the winner here? Square? Right. Uh, with, with, I mean, with it, cash, how damaged is Robinhood's business model, which, it want, which prior to this certainly seemed poised to potentially go public pretty soon yeah. and, and at quite a valuation? I mean, I think their owners uh, have learned the hard way what that business really is. Right. Well, I mean, would you it not want a lot of capital when Dan Shulman came on uh, PayPal? He said, listen, one of our biggest assets, we have four thousand people in compliance. I mean, I, 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 I don't know how few people that they had in compliance, but. The difference here, David, Robinhood is an app, okay? It's an app. Other things are companies. E-Trade, Morgan said, a company, okay? Compliance, regulators, understand cash. Now, to Vlad's credit here, you know, the DTC just came. I don't know if you saw that. They just came out with what he, what he wants, which is faster clearing. But, yeah, Dave, you're right. I mean, it was a complete and utter screw-up. And to try to take credit for being able to raise money with a gun to your head, I would not be proud of that. I would not. That's nothing to be proud of. No, they made it through. They have a much better understanding of their business now right. at Robin Hood. But he did and come on. He did go on. Yeah, he's willing. To, he's willing. To, I know. I'm not sure I, you would. It's well, Ill, perhaps it's ill-advised. No, it was non-common. It was non-common. Who's uh, quite combative. Well, I, I, yeah, Carl, there was a moment where he just said basically, yeah, I mean, yeah, we had a liquidity problem. Now, J.P. Morgan is always the great late J.P. Morgan would say if you ever had to admit that you had that, then you're done. Uh, but he doesn't seem very done. Uh, he, and again, uh, it was kind of out of body because uh, he was in front of Congress and then he's in front of the Grand Inquisitor, uh, Dave Porter. <laughs> uh, in some ways, uh, Dave got more out of him than congressional uh, members. It's, it's very true, Jim. Sure we'll pay more attention to that, of course, later on in the morning. Uh, J&J is the other big story, moving a bit higher this morning on the FDA uh, endorsing the company's uh, one-dose COVID vaccine for emergency use. Meg Terrell's got more on that. Good morning, Meg. Good morning, Carl. These briefing documents out from the FDA are the first time we've seen the agency's take on these data of the first vaccine that would just require a single dose uh, to provide um, efficacy. And that's what they've uh, filed for the FDA's go-ahead for, one shot. Um, now, we've seen in these documents, they've broken down the efficacy by region. We saw these in the original clinical trial results. In the U.S., 72% efficacy. South Africa, where they had more of that B1351 variant, 64% and 68% in Brazil. Now, interestingly, we were looking to see if there were any variants included in the U.S. part of the trial that, you know, affected 
detected efficacy, and, and really there weren't. It was mostly that old strain, uh, the original strain of the virus. Um, they didn't see any cases of the B117 variant associated with the UK. Uh, now, interestingly, they also talked about potential efficacy against asymptomatic infection about four weeks after you get the shot. Now, they said the numbers are still small, so it's hard to draw real conclusions here, but that would suggest a potential effect on uh, the ability to cut down on transmission, but still pretty early days there. Uh, now, guys, importantly, uh, a lot of results here on hospitalizations and deaths uh, showing that after four weeks, um, nobody on the vaccine group uh, was hospitali hospitalized. Um, and after two weeks, two were uh, versus 29 in the placebo group. Nobody who took the vaccine uh, died from COVID versus seven um, in the placebo group, guys. Now, check out this graph, which shows over time the protection kicking in from this single shot of the J&J &J vaccine. You can see it kicks in there. The blue line is people who got the vaccine. The red line is people on placebo. After about two weeks, you really start to see those lines separate, and that protection is kicking in from the vaccine. Uh, now, some more details we got in these documents also about sort of the reactions you might feel after you get this shot. Um, pretty uh, common reactions like injection site pain, headache, fatigue, muscle pain, FDA saying no concerns that would preclude emergency use authorization. They did note a couple rare events, um, hives that might have been related to the vaccine in very few cases, and one hypersensitivity reaction they said was not anaphylaxis, guys, um, out of about 40,000 people in this trial. So overall, painting the picture of a safe, effective vaccine, and we will see the FDA committee uh, talk about all of this on Friday and vote. And if they vote positively, this vaccine could get cleared over the weekend, guys. Yeah, Meg. Uh, so you put all together, you got the data, uh, 20 million doses waiting in the wings over the next month, perhaps. Uh, expectations that the Pfizer vaccine may be cleared for more standard refrigeration. Uh, it's, it's all good news, isn't it? Yeah, the vaccine front has been really good news. I mean, the concern, of course, is that B1351 variant, um, which does impact, it appears to impact the efficacy of the vaccines. We haven't seen clinical trial data on the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines for it. The J&J vaccine does show lower efficacy against that variant. Um, but, you know, the supply, it's going up, it's doubling of the mRNA vaccines. It's going to look like we're going to have a lot more vaccine over the coming months. Um, and these data today suggest a third one is coming. Uh, may why is it that we find out, well, first it's got to be minus 90. turns out it doesn't have to be. It looks like there's more vaccines than we thought within the particular vaccine. Uh, maybe J&J &J has more. But why is it there, uh, it's so fungible? I thought that these, you have a vaccine and it's one and done. But the fungibility of these just shocks me because it's suddenly out of nowhere. We have a lot more than we thought of the same vials. I'm not sure that the companies would say that it's such a surprise. It's just that the manufacturing really sort of ramps up over time. And as they bring on more capacity, you really start to see the output increase. And in terms of the ability to store the vaccine at not such Arctic temperatures, that's a function of the fact that these vaccines were developed at such speeds during a pandemic. Normally, all of this would get worked out before a vaccine would come to market in a multi-years-long process, if not decades, uh, to figure out the perfect storage, all of the manufacturing. But because we did this during a pandemic, they've got to figure it out in real time and, and getting it out to people as quickly as they could. So we're going to see these iterations continue. Meg, so much to, to watch. Uh, it's so much easier with your help. That's our Meg Terrell bringing us up to speed on J&J &J this morning. Meg, thanks. We'll take a break here. Futures are weak, as we said at the open, with the 10-year now yielding above 1.4 and uh, the 30-year 
close to 228. We'll get to uh, Square, of course, and Bitcoin and the president, the White House, looking at supply chain issues today. We're back in a minute. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. White House is going to hold a meeting with lawmakers this afternoon to talk about the global chip shortage and the impact on U.S. business comes in advance of a new executive order from the president that will kick off a review of the supply chains that support manufacturing, including autos, gym, pharma, clean energy. They're going to fold some rare earths in there as well. OK, NXP. All right. You want the villain? You want to know who's the big backlog, where it is, who doesn't have the chips? the companies that relied on NXP, all right? And I'm just putting it out there. The other companies, I mean, Qualcomm, that stock's been down, I don't know, 40 straight points because they, they're fabulous. The Fabulous Light, the Fab-E, I don't care. It's NXP, all right? So NXP, come on right now and explain why you're costing American automakers billions of dollars. Maybe you can say you're not. Maybe you're saying, listen, we're sold out. There's nothing we can do. They're, we're a great company. I've, had, I've, I've liked NXP since 60. Since Rick Clemmer, David, remember I used to come on and say NXP is like the greatest after they bought Freescale. I, I love auto. I love auto. I but do. they are the auto semi. And well, I'm they sure are. they have a great reason why they have not been able to come up with chips. And I will feel much better when I hear the reason. All right. Well, we've made the invitation, I guess. We've just done. So we'll it's see an if they invitation. want to come on. 127.50 is what I always remember. Of course, that was the purchase price that Qualcomm had before the Chinese regulators just sort of sat on it. And right. Eventually, time ran out for Qualcomm and it abandoned the deal. But NXP is a brilliant company. But to the larger issue here, and again, it's, today, it's going to be an executive order. We know about some of these chip shortages. But the larger issue is domestic production of chips, broadly speaking, and Intel being the national champion of that, kind of the only real big producer still right. in the United States, Jim. And whether its business will in some way be aided by... Actions by the U.S. government. They need it. I don't we think they're going to be pumping money into the company David, directly, but there are things they can do to develop a TVA where we have fabs so that we can separate ourselves from Taiwan Semi, which, by the way, you may think is all about Taiwan. The PRC has its tentacles into Taiwan Semi. Really? Now you're starting that. Here we go. Well, right. so it's all the other the, guy had. The other guy said that stuff. The Chinese are coming. The other guy said us. that stuff. I mean, you may be right. I don't know, but that's quite a thing. All right. 
Yeah. I have Taiwan Semi on. I will ask ask ownership Taiwan Semi. Can we ask them if they're a puppet of PRC? I didn't say they were a puppet. Okay. I'm your puppet. Good song. Anyway, I want uh, to We're not fire. done talking about China, that's for sure. Uh, Jim, we'll take a break here. We're going to talk some travel and pandemic after the break, including uh, with Marriott's new CEO, Tony Capuano. Uh, that's coming up later on this hour. Stay with us. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Take a look at futures uh, pronounced weakness once again in the NASDAQ. Not a coincidence that the 10-year is setting new highs for the year so far close to 141. Uh, the debate's going to continue about the impact of higher rates as we get Powell on the Hill for a second day on the House side. We're back in a minute. By the way, I'm glad I didn't know that song. Uh, it's time for a mad dash now. Of course, we're counting down right. the opening bell in about three and a half minutes, too. What do you got? Lowe's. Lowe's does 28%, David. Same store. Home Depot did not do that. They did only 24 So people are going to like what Marvin Ellison has done more than they like Home Depot. Now, Home Depot put a good dividend increase. They had a good, decent call. But they were not as effusive as Marvin Ellison is today. I think Marv's going to have an unbelievable uh, spring. Uh, because this is the year that I think that they are going to be able to really put the wood to Home Depot. You do? When it com- yeah, when it comes to uh, Now, wait, let me just plants. stop you for a moment. Plants. Because I, I, to plants, okay. To plants, the outdoor but garden. But you've been talking about some of the retailers that will benefit from the, we're out of here, we're back into the world. Right. And clearly Lowe's and Home Depot are not amongst that group, given their comparisons as well are going to be pretty tough, one would think. They are going to be very hard, but I think Lowe's had... Uh, Marvin inherited a company that really didn't even have it, e-commerce. And he's putting through things in e-commerce that are going to make it so that the comparisons are going to be better. Uh, their, their e-commerce site was quite weak. Uh, remember, Christmas time for these guys is, is spring. Now, there was a garden season last year because you could garden. It was very right. popular. But you're right. I mean, is this as good as, uh, as I don't know, Aeropost? I mean, there's some companies in the mall that are tapestries doing quite well. Right. Uh, but I do think that Lowe's versus Home Depot, you go with Lowe's. You go with Lowe's versus yes, Home Depot if you want to continue to be invested, I mean, in those companies. Exactly right. Got it. And I think that Lowe's, uh, Ellison's done a remarkable job, but the company was very far off its game versus mm-hmm. Home Depot. He's playing catch-up, but he's going to catch it. Really? I really do think so, yes. Wow. The stores look great, by the way. I mean, you've the been positive on great. Lowe's for some time, but I haven't heard you say that. Well, the stores look great. The website's getting better. It yeah. still has availability issues. But I do think that uh, what, Mar- what Marv's doing is basically saying, okay, look, we know that the contractors are going to go to Home Depot. They're going to come to us, too. But David Lowe's is back having what I regard as being uh, a place, and this is just my wife, so it's anecdotal, Women like to shop for garden at Lowe's again, like they used to, okay. before Home Depot really come on. And enough, by the way, Home Depot, could you like enough have with the Scott's Miracle Grow uh, plants? Get me some better flats, will you? The flats are weak at Home Depot. 
You want a flatus, David? Uh, no. Oh, my God. No, but I am going to plant some trees. You don't know what a flatus? No, I don't know. I'm, I, don't, I don't garden. Oh, my God. Carl, are you, Carl I don't know. Are you, do you garden at all? Yes, can uh, be. No. No? No? <laughs> no. Not a my 33rd but compared year. compared to Jim, none of yeah. us garden. My Nobody 33rd gardens year? compared to Jim. Yep, no, right. I know. Those tomatoes. But once again, I get nothing. I don't get the canned right, tomatoes. That's going to change this year. I get nothing. That's going to change No olive oil, no tomatoes, no tomato sauce, nothing. A I see pro- the pictures. That's all I get. A new crop of olive oil just came in. It is unbelievable. You want virgin olive oil? That's my oil, okay? All that other stuff's adulterated. You're going to get... Oh, they're, they're clapping for my virgin can't, olive oil, and I don't blame asking. I mean, this is it. That's embarrassing. <laughs> that's, right. that's, that's all it's all for Jim's oil. <laughs> There's the opening <laughs> bell uh, and the NYSE in the NASDAQ. You know, Jim, I did want to ask you about the mall really quick because uh, Cowan does upgrade American Eagle today. Uh, they go to 31. Right. I confuse uh, that Telsey, Telsey ups Macy's to, to $16, although they keep a market perform. Macy's had some interesting comments uh, yesterday, Jim, where they said long-term in general, the mall is going to continue to see low, to, low single digit declines uh, on comps after they recover from this pandemic. Yeah, period. I, I, look, I thought that Jeff was Jeff Gannett uh, did a very good job on the call. I, I thought it was a good quarter. The stock was at one point down 80 cents. It, it rallied. Uh, Simon Property Group, SPG, has been the bellwether here. Of course, they're the, the uh, biggest shopping mall company. They bought Talbot. David, if you look at this company, it is up. This stock is up 34 percent because people want to go back to the stores. Just it's just kind of something better than just having that big stack of boxes in front of your house when you get home. Yeah. People want to get out. They will get out. I mean, listen, in some states, they are already out. Many of them. Right. Uh, but there are others where they're not. Certainly in the Northeast. It's just this time of year as well. Well, obviously they're indoor, but getting around with all the snow and everything else. But once uh, once things get back to some level of normal and given the J&J news, I mean, I don't know when that's going to be, Jim, but it seems like it's getting closer. You'd expect. But I wonder how much of that has already been reflected in that 31 percent move, therefore, it, in the stock price. It's two. It's still two turns below where it's historically been. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's good. You do. Yeah, I do. Carl, I know it's listening, right? I'm going to confide that I was a mall walker walker for a couple of days with my cane. Going into different stores. You know, you, know, people, you see those people in the mall. Like, yes. That guy's like walking the mall. You were walking. I was one of those people. And, <laughs> Carl, I've got to tell you, it, 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 I had to swallow my pride to play that game. What? But, but Kim, I went we've into, been I talking went about into, the decline of the mall now for many, many years. It's not as though that was continuing prior. That was a trend well prior to, uh, to the virus. Yes, but there are companies in the mall, including JCPenney, which David Simon is trying to reinvent. Right. Went and don't forget. Don't forget Coles, David. Yep. I won't. No, I won't forget Coles with an activist in it, uh, owning 9%, going yeah. after nine board seats. What do you think happens there? I have no idea. I, will, I, I, I'm not, I have not reported on that. Oh. I listened to the interview that Scott Wapner did with the gentleman in question. Okay. It's interesting. I'm going to be on Scott Wapner's show today. Are you really? Yes, I am. I just think it's What is it you it. think you'll be discussing today? Um, uh, let's see. Square, which we haven't, Carl, we've not discussed Square. Uh, Square was one yep. of those calls where they talked about Bitcoin like 4,500 times. I mean, hello? Yes, you can buy Bitcoin in Square app, and they do have people who can buy fractions. But it's actually the speed with which people were buying Bitcoin this quarter was disappointing. And they did not talk about that, but I just did. Uh, but look, it's a Kathy Wood stock, so I guess she waits until it's you know, where she has them, where she wants them, and then she buys it. Right, David? Right. Well, earlier, you were advising her to cl- you can't even close an ETF. I'm not quite sure what you're referring I, I just, to. She has to do something. This is ridiculous. <laughs> What's ridiculous? You can't just keep taking money in and say, you know what, I'm going to go buy 
a cash equivalent. I'm going to go buy some, I don't know. Why not? Why, why not? Listen, her fund has a 769% return over the last five years. Oh, so she's allowed to so she can be down a couple hundred percent. No one will care. I don't know. As, as we point she's out, and I heard this point being made yesterday, too, and I've said it many times, of course, she got so large now. The question will be, does she actually end up losing more money than she ever made for people? But that's if you were lucky enough to be in that fund over the last few years, you're extraordinarily happy. And one would expect you might be somewhat loyal. Well, she liked PayPal. Yes. And she's Spotify. She's bulking up on Spotify, but she's been dumping Roku, David and Splunk. I mean, she must have a Splunk shredder. She just destroyed Splunk. Holy cow. She destroyed Splunk. Hey, guys, we have, uh, uh, you know, not much on SPAC. I mean, a lot of SPACs being priced. Don't get me wrong. But not too much to share. I know we're going to, I think you guys are going to have uh, Carl Reed Hoffman on later. I, I, I may be wrong, but I, uh, the SPAC yep. that he's behind, it's another, it's flying cars. I like to call it flying cars. Really, it's, it's flying taxis, electrically powered flying taxis. Um, the symbol here is RTP. That's at least the SPAC in question. The deal is for a company called Joby. Going to be competing against the likes of, remember, Archer, ACIC, which was that Mola SPAC SPAC that took that company public. This is about a $6.6 billion deal uh, overall. And again, I always like to look at, there's, there's Reed, it'll be coming up with you guys later, Carl, um, sort of their, their projections. Their t- 2025 seems to be the key year here for them, where they do anticipate having gross profit of $417 million and a profit margin by 58%. And then more than doubling to $1.183 billion by 2026. But they, Jim, they're, they're going to have these things flying around, they say, by 2024. And uh, they're really quiet, by the way. Really quiet, just so you know. They're much quieter than like a helicopter. You can have, uh, they're, they're as quiet as a conversation. Is what okay, so David, is it possible that one day Gary Gensler, running the SEC, yeah. says, you know what, I'm really tired of company SPACs that say that they're going to do $5 billion worth of sales in 2026. 2026, by the way, is going to be an incredible year for all of these companies. Right. It's, it's the year they all focus on. Uh, Lucid, I think, was maybe it was 25. I can go back. Every week we have at least two or three where I focus on that year because that's the year. And it was for Archer as well. They're basing their multiples off of 2026. I don't know. You think we'll be sitting here talking about the incredible profit machine that is flying cars? Maybe. I don't know. I, mean, I hope I, so. A lot great. of companies. Look, look at DoorDash. Uh, 18 months ago, I thought DoorDash may not make it. Okay. Right. And now DoorDash is one of the biggest companies on earth. And yes. So anything's possible. But I just find when I look at these SPACs, Carl, I'll look at the SPAC. You got to turn to that page, which just says that this is in 2026. You will not believe what we do. And then you look at a, 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 a prospectus and you're not even allowed to talk about 2026. The SEC's got to do something about this, but they don't know what to do. What? What do you? What was that face you making? No, I was uh, I was uh, saying hello and and uh, uh, David, saying all, yes to Chip, our producer. David, it's all about me. I wasn't listening. It's all to you. about me. <laughs> I thought you were just going to go on talking about DoorDash for a while. Carl, <laughs> is, is I, that what you do, David? You, you wait for him to start talking and then you <laughs> chat yeah, with the booth. Yeah, exactly. Don't you do that? Come on. Of course you do. Well, I don't know. he's also I mean, you flats have he's, plants. Carl is still tweeting with his toes. You know that it's incredible. His Carl talent, I mean, what he can do while he's talking. No, he can actually, tweet. to be honest, I was actually thinking of where to lead Jim after uh, the SPAC discussion. Jim, I I'm curious to know um, uh, your thoughts on on just dividend hikes. I've been keeping track. Last few days, Wendy's, 28%. Uh, Thermo Fisher, Depot, we know. Allstate, Danaher. I mean, I, I guess they're trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? 
you guys saw Home Depot you get like a $6 dividend. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, people should be looking at these. I had ConAgra on last night. Hey, look, it, it's a steady eddy company, the frozen food dominant, uh, 80% of their ad budget, by the way, online, and uh, yields 3%. Not everything has to be um, Schrodinger, you know, CM Life Sciences, Signify Health. It's okay to own a, a company that has a good yield at a time when even though interest rates are, are, are moving up, you're still going to get a, a good number. So I, I like dividend stocks, David. I really do. Yeah. Speaking of dividend stocks, GE is not one of them. I want to keep coming back to that interview I did a few days ago with former chairman and CEO of GE uh, guys, because uh, he's got a new book out. He's promoting it in a number of places. It may be the only time we had an opportunity to sit down with him. It's not clear that we will again. Uh, and, you know, the book itself, of course, as ML points out, he, he criticizes himself a good deal in terms of his leadership. Uh, he also praises many of the people he worked with. But I did note, as many other readers will, that there were a handful of people that did uh, not receive quite that same level of praise. Take a listen. Ken Langone, you don't spare some criticism. You say, quote, despite his deep financial expertise, he had approved all the disastrous insurance acquisitions made by my predecessor. I think Ken uh, is a great entrepreneur who built a great company at Home Depot, and I'm going to leave it at that. John Flannery, I worried that he could not make a decision. John's a good man. He uh, did his best for the company. I supported him. And uh, if, if truth be told, the most difficult person to write about in the book is John because I left problems for him. I didn't mean to, and it certainly hurt him in his ability to take over the company. You do say Lorenzo Simonelli would have been the best choice for CEO. Why? You know, I've had a chance now to see Lorenzo lead Baker Hughes for four years. And, you know, in a very difficult cycle, you can see him shine. And, you know, the fact is, David, that you don't know anything about somebody until the worst day. You never see them and know much about them on their best day. I've had the chance to see Lorenzo in some really bad days, and he's a spectacular executive. Bob Wright. I was done with him. Bob Wright had done a lot for GE, but it was time for a change. Yeah, I think that sums it up. I think Bob was spectacular at NBC. It was time uh, to have a transition. I'm a big supporter and fan of Jeff Zucker, and uh, I think he did a great job at CNN, and he was, uh, did a lot, put a lot of the things in place that NBC benefited for for a long time. Dennis Naden, who ran GE Capital, had crossed the line. He needed to go. There's nobody that did more for the company uh, in the 90s than Dennis Naden, but times had changed. You know, again, I think one of the, one of the hardest part of telling the story for the GE community is times change. And, and people have to change and situations have to change. And, and that's what it reflected. Jeff Himmelt, again, talking about his book and going over some of those names. Carl, send it over to you. All right, guys. Uh, not huge swings this morning in the indices, but you do have travel and leisure leading. Uh, home builders are lagging. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Yes. Good morning, Carl. Well, an interesting session, to say the least, as we see everything guns hot in the Treasury complex. You know, we could pick a number of reasons why interest rates are doing what they're doing. But I think let's make it easy. 
The stray from home world is opening up and treasuries seem to be the window into that as of late. Look at an intraday of 10s. We're hovering what? At 141, 142, we've been as high as 143. Intraday 30, hovering right now just a whisker under 210. It's been, uh, excuse me, uh, 227 and it has been as high as 229. Boon deals, boon deals under minus 30. They've been guns hot as well. And it doesn't stop there. Look at the sovereign paper across the globe. Look at what's going on in 10-year gilts, hovering around 80 basis points. And by the way, uh, t 10 years here are a little over, a, well, right around a one-year high-ish, February. We're going to January, but we comped even further back for 30s. Eight-month high yields and boons and gilts. And finally, real quick, 10s minus 2s now, the steepest at 130 base points in Christmas of 216, 2016. Carl Jim David, back to you. All right, Rick, thanks. Of course, uh, Powell's on deck at the top of the hour. When we come back, though, the new CEO of Marriott, Tony Capuano. Don't go anywhere. There is new leadership at Marriott after the death of Arnie Sorensen. Our Seema Modi joins us this morning with the company's new CEO, Tony Capuano. Hey, Seema. Carl, thank you. And now I'd like to welcome Marriott's new CEO, Tony Capuano, onto CNBC. Tony, thank you for joining us today. I know it's been an emotional and challenging week for you and the Marriott team uh, following the unexpected passing of Arnie Sorensen. How are you doing? Where, where is your head at as you now inherit this new role as, new role as CEO? Well, good morning, Seema. Nice to speak with you again. It's a, uh, it's a profoundly emotional and sad week as, as we say goodbye to our friend and, and leader. Uh, and it, for me personally, it's a, it's a humbling week uh, to follow such a generational leader. Uh, but the teams are energized. And as we talk to our associates and our customers and our owners and franchisees around the world, they want us laser focused on doing everything we can, pulling ever, every lever we can to try and help build demand volume. Tony, now day two as CEO, 1.4 million hotel rooms, Marriott being the largest hotel operator. As you sort of craft your game plan, what is top of mind? I mean, this is an industry that is betting on a recovery, but is also still reeling from the effect of the pandemic with thousands of jobs lost across the hospitality sector. No question. And I think uh, at the forefront of our thinking is pulling is is taking every action we can take uh, to try and make our guests comfortable and feel safe when they travel and doing everything we can to support our owners and franchisees who's who obviously have borne the brunt of, of the financial pressure created by the pandemic. Of course, we all mourn Arnie who, uh, Swordson, who really was a believer in business being the greatest uh, force for social change, a remarkable man. Uh, in the last uh, couple of years, we have seen a company, Airbnb, which reports tomorrow, uh, get to $100 billion. Your, your company is $50 billion. I would say that you're the great hotelier of the world. Uh, so I'm trying to rationalize the two. Is it possible that uh, if you wanted to, you could be in the Airbnb business? Your brand is so fantastic. Is that something you should do, Just be, or, or is that just chasing market cap? Well, it's a great question, Jim. As you probably recall, in, in early 2019, we actually entered the space uh, by launching Marriott Homes and Villas. 
it was a fairly soft step in. I think we had about 2,000 full homes when we started. Uh, we're at now at about 25,000 full home rental opportunities on every continent. And it's, it's an interesting business. Uh, I don't ever anticipate us being anywhere close to the scale of Airbnb. Uh, we've really gone for the top end of that market, focusing purely on whole home rentals. Uh, we've tried to make the value proposition on the, the foundation of safety, uh, service, and tie up with the Bonvoy loyalty program. And for us, I think really the focus, uh, we hear from our customers that for certain very specific trip types, they want a whole home rental. And being able to, to offer that through the Bonvoy platform really allows us to keep them within that Marriott ecosystem. Sima? In 2019, um, you know, as we look at the, the role you're trying to play in homes, at the end of the day, Marriott does rely on the business traveler, Tony. In 2019, 60% of room nights went to business travelers. But now as more companies are saying that their employees are going to go virtual, are you confident you can get back to that number by next year? There are lots of opinions out there, some, some well-informed opinions uh, suggesting there is a tectonic plate shift as it relates to business travel and that it will never come back. Uh, that's not what we hear from our customers. Uh, certainly leisure transient demand is leading the recovery, uh, but we do have uh, lots of optimism that over the passage of time, as the vaccine is more widely distributed, as the pandemic starts to recede, that our customers are anxious to get out there and be face-to-face -face with their business partners and their customers. Yeah, that, uh, Tony, you know, Evercore upgraded the stock earlier in the week, and um, their, one of their larger point was they, did, they didn't see peak rev par until 2024, 2025. In their words, they said, it's hard to backfill Monday to Thursday nights in Seattle at $400 a night without a large contribution from business travel. Is there something you can do from a marketing standpoint to help spur that sort of uh, nascent demand? Well, I think we're, as I said earlier, we're pulling all the levers we can. Uh, right at the start of the pandemic, uh, we radically changed our operating and cleaning protocols for the benefit of both our associates and our customers. We want them to be, able to be safe when they get on the road, and we're trying to inspire confidence in, in those travelers. Uh, but it's really, it, it, it's murky as we peer into the future. Uh, we can look to markets like China, where there's been terrific uh, containment of the, the virus, and you see occupancy levels returning almost to pre-pandemic levels. The challenge as we look around the world, occasionally we'll see a spike in infection rates, and it has a pretty significant chilling impact on demand. But again, as the vaccine gets widely distributed, we, we see pretty strong and steady prospects for demand growth. And the outlook, though, still remains uncertain, as you just alluded to. But what remains certain is your, uh, your growth portfolio, uh, Tony, laser-focused on growing your portfolio, as you said on the earnings call last week, a global pipeline of nearly 500,000 rooms. And you added 63,000 rooms last year. I mean, does that suggest that this rebound in, in hotel occupancy, you're expecting, expecting it to happen in 2021, or is, is it the 2022 story that the industry is betting on? Well, I think, Seema, for our owners and franchisees, uh, they are long-term investors, and they have long-term confidence in the strength of the travel industry. 
Uh, these hotels take multiple years to, to get entitled, uh, developed, and opened. And so they are betting on the long-term future of the travel industry. Are you concerned? If we've seen any dynamic... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, are you concerned that you're getting too aggressive with adding so many hotel rooms, given where occupancy levels are at right now and so many consumers shifting to homes over hotels? Well, what we hear from our customers loud and clear, they want breadth of choice. They have very different and distinct trip types. And depending on that trip type, they may want an economy option. They may want a luxury option. They may want urban. They may want resort. And so when we look around the world, we think we still have a very long runway to continue to grow our footprint. Understood. We look forward to, to continuing to track this recovery in the hospitality industry and the role that Marriott is playing. Uh, Tony, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Tony Capuano, the new CEO thank you very much. of Marriott. Thank you all. And Seymour, thanks to you. We'll take a break here. Uh, once again, Dow seeing some relative outperformance this morning, although losses of about 100 points. S&P Financial Index, by the way, record high. We're back in a minute. Tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern time, we've got a good one for you. A CNBC special report, The Path Forward. This time focusing on small business and how businesses are hoping for and preparing for a potential boom in activity this spring and summer. That's tonight, 8 a.m., 8 p.m. Eastern. We're back in a minute. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. All right, well, first, Kathy Wood's going to have to stop PayPal right here. It's down three. She needs to stop that. That's enough of that already. Um, okay, so uh, Mattel. Mattel is recommended today by City. It's a terrific upgrade. Uh, Enon Cries has done a fantastic job turning it around. It is still a very inexpensive stock, and it will do well even during an opening because this man has engineered the first big turn. We've seen Mattel go all the way down, and now it's going higher. I like it. Yeah, Jim. I mean, um, there's the stay-at-home game thing, and then yeah. there's the IP Film and TV production thing. It's, it's no longer a, a one-note story. And that's Enon Cries especially. He hasn't even done that yet. Plus, Barbie is in so many different kinds of... David, I saw that yawn, and it's just crushed me. Nobody else did, Jim. <laughs> I showed the yawn. Nobody no, else did, okay? A- We're coming to the end of the show. You don't need to look over here. What can I tell you? Cover your mouth. Okay, I will. Jim, what's tonight at 6? Really quick. Okay, I have uh, a company called Upwork. It's probably up more than any other stock today. It's a freelance economy. And then Latinsky, if you don't know MP Materials, this is it. This is rare earth materials. It's a SPAC. It has everything you could ever dream of. It is the zeitgeist of the moment. <laughs> David, rare earth materials. I mean, come me on. Flying cars, flying, rare earth materials. Flying rare earth materials. We'll see you tonight, uh, Jim. Mad Money, of course, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.